Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another much-belated episode of Ground Control. Well, they don't know the schedule we record on, so as far as they know, we recorded this one back-to-back with the previous one. Okay, but I did say on the last one that hopefully it wouldn't be as long between episodes as it was the previous time, and it's probably been more. Yeah, and we did actually have another episode, but apparently it was eaten by gremlins. Yes, stupid computer gremlins. Yes, so I am Adam the Action Man. With me, as always, is Major Tom. How's it going? And this is the Ground Control Podcast. Beaming down to you from the wood-paneled spaceship, orbiting in low Earth orbit, we'll say, for today. That would explain why we keep hitting albatrosses. Mm-hmm. Them and their abnormally large wings. So, we are recording this in November. For those of you out there celebrating Movember, I'm very, very sorry for you all. But proud of you. Yes, proud, but you got to understand, guys. <laughs> yeah, a lot of you look pretty gross. Yeah. So hopefully what you're doing pays off, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you have our support, just not our respect. Yeah, I uh, I was actually going to participate this year, but I had work stuff the first week of November that prevented me from doing so, and I think I'm better off for it, though the world maybe has suffered a bit. Hmm. I've been told multiple times that if I shave my beard, I will lose friends by multiple <laughs> people, and especially since, uh, as those of you who are friends know, because we assume only friends listen to this, I have shaved my head. If I shave my beard now, I will probably look like a 200-pound baby, so... (laughs) Yeah, that would be pretty awesome. Mm. Yeah, have you on the podcast talked about why you were shaving your head? Well, I did on the one that was eaten. Okay. So I guess I'll just say now that back October 15th, I participated in Extra Life, which is a gamer charity... A little bit like Child's Play, but not exactly the same thing. Rather than raising money, it, all the money goes to Children's Miracle Networks. Rather than raising it to buy toys and games for the kids, which Child's Play does extremely well, the money just goes directly to the hospitals. So I gamed for 24 hours, which was interesting, seeing as one of my tactics was I sold my slots of time at, was it 25 bucks a piece, I said? Yeah, it was. So I sold them at 25 bucks for a half hour, and then I said if I reached $1,000, I'd shave my head. And about 24 hours before the gaming commenced, someone put in the final bid, and I took it down to the wick. Yeah, the um, the whole $25 per half hour, like I didn't do the math, I just saw you were selling it by the hour. And um, so I was sort of looking at the how much had come in so far, and I'm thinking, okay, I want to encourage more people to give more money. <laughs> So I was like, okay, 200 bucks is not that bad. So I threw in 200 bucks and then did the math. I was like, I just bought eight hours of Tom's life. <laughs> and so what did he put down for that eight hours? What joy did I get out of that? <laughs> Wolverine for the NES, baby. <laughs> now, it should be noted here that everyone partook in this. I had a bunch of people over. It was streaming live, although I know it wasn't very entertaining. I heard that from a few people. It was an entertaining time here. Nothing else than for the sleep deprivation. Yeah. And so that'll handle what I've been up to. What have, what have you been up to over the last little while? Work, 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 and more work. It's more work. Yeah, <laughs> I can't do my work. <laughs> Off I go then. Um, no, it was. Uh, oh, you're making a Warcraft reference. Oh yeah, and sorry. I was I was riffing on a Mighty Wind. Oh, the one guy who was like the organizer for the Main Street Singers. Same voice, oddly. Yeah, very weird. What happened? <laughs> yeah. now, I'm imagining a peon in World of Warcraft standing there <laughs> in front and going, "What happened?" Yeah, so that was pretty exhausting, and it didn't actually turn out that well, but it's okay because there is an appeal process. So 
Oh, well, that's good then. Yeah. Another bonus to having a legal system, I suppose. Uh, yeah. Okay, so that's been going on. So again, this is a re-recording of a cast we did previously, though some of our witty banter and joyful improvisations will have been lost to the ages. Yeah. I'm afraid that that's your loss, Internet. Yeah, Sorry. and we're going to have to sort of do everything from scratch, because I didn't. I don't have my notes from the last time we recorded this, and I honestly can't remember a single one of my entries. And just to make this more entertaining, we'll put you on the spot and say you get to go first. Okay, well then, let's start with F is for... Furniture? That's not very interesting. No, let's, let's pick a different F here. Hold on. Although apparently, Scottish authorities claim that creaking furniture warns of an imminent change in prevailing weather conditions. Well, hmm. duh. <laughs> Yeah. Come on, Scotland, step up your game. <laughs> As per usual, when I'm stuck, I'm reverting to Castle's Dictionary of Super... Like like Frank Castle or like Nathan Fillion Castle? Because those are very different characters here. Neither. They actually... It's C-A-S-S-E-L. Oh. And even though it's Castle, it's actually by David Pickering. Hmm. So I guess Castle must be the publisher. Well, I'm going to imagine a Victorian Punisher going around with muskets. Yeah, I'm down with that. Okay, cool. Well, I will start with what I started with before as an apology because about a month probably two months now, I started playing Farmville, and I played it for a couple of weeks. And I know that that spammed a few people who were on my Facebook page, and I'm sorry. And I've just got to say that Farmville is one of the most evil things out there. Yeah, the, the whole freemium concept, and this we did talk about last time, well, in the Lost episode, mm-hmm. is is really frustrating, because the whole idea of it is that it's only meant to feed your addiction long enough for you to spam your friends and get them addicted. Mm-hmm. Basically you're not paying for it because you were advertising for it. Exactly. And what they want is they think out of everyone that gets spammed, say that you start playing and you spam 100 of your friends and maybe 10 of them start playing just off the cuff. Yeah. And if one of them decides that they're going to spend money on the actual game. I mean, I've heard some ridiculous amounts. I've One of my friends works at Walmart back in Moose Jaw, and he was telling me, John, if you're out there, how's it going? Hi, John. He was telling me that he had someone come in to Walmart to buy Farmville cards, like Zynga cards, like, yeah, yeah. like a Warcraft like subscription cards. card, points cards, and he bought, like, two or four of the $50 cards, and he was complaining because there was tax being charged on them, and they yeah. shouldn't be, there shouldn't be tax on them. He's like, whenever I go anywhere else and buy the same amount, there's not tra- tax on them. And I'm like, you've spent, you've bought $200 worth of Farmville points more than once? Examine your life. Yeah. So just some statistics on Farmville, for those of you out there who haven't been grasped by its slimy, planty tentacles. Like me. Yeah, lucky you. <laughs> I should note that I stopped playing it after two weeks, but I'll get to that later. Farmville's a game by Zynga Games. It was created in 2009. You play it through Facebook. It's freemium, which means that you can play it without paying any money, but if you want to do better, and there are certain things you can't do in the game without paying money for it, you buy points, and then you can buy, you can get a barn, and then you can collect animals, but you have to pay money in order for certain animals, and it goes on and on. It's a Basically a clone of a couple of other games around at the time. There was a Happy Farm and Farm Town, which were kind of its competitors. It kind of took over. Uh, as well, the, the Harvest Moon games, if anyone ever played those for uh, Nintendo, which I'm sorry. I remember reading the reviews of those and, and reading they were actually, or at least the first one was pretty good. Well, and they did really well. I don't know if, how well they did here, but I know in Japan they did really well. There was a statistic on one of the videos. Did you know they're produced every year just about different statistics with third world countries and with internet use and that sort of thing? It's something like there's 500,000 real farmers in the world and like 500 million Farmville farmers I, or something? No, and I, there was, it was more than the population of the earth. Oh, really? So yeah, some, probably something like 50 billion Because you quoted that statistic last time and I was like, well, how is that even possible? I don't know. I think there were... 
the idea was that there are so many people who have multiple Farmville accounts, mm-hmm. and there are probably people who do the function of the gold farming thing as well. So basically, what I when I was talking about how I got away from it at the beginning, what happened was I started playing it, one, just to be like, what's this all about? And two, because between classes, I'd have about an hour break or there'd be 10 minute breaks between. So I'm like just looking for something to distract myself a little bit during that time. And it started off as fine. You click on a few patches of land, plant some stuff. Three hours later, you come back, you click again, you're done. But as you move up in the game, I was finding myself spending half an hour to 45 minutes harvesting everything that was in my field, then plowing all the land, then replanting stuff, and then just doing whatever. Like, I was spending too much time on a game that I got nothing back from. Yeah. You could say that about a lot of games, you don't get a lot back from them, but I wasn't even getting entertainment out of this. I was finding it tedious. Yeah. Well, it becomes like work. It really does. I played the CSI freemium game on Facebook for a while, and it got to the point where I was like, why am I doing this? That's exactly why I stopped. After like my 500th patch of raspberries or whatever, I'm just like, why do I keep playing this? Why do I keep coming back? And you have to come back at the, like almost exactly the time when your stuff is going to ripen, otherwise it will wither and everything has been wasted. Oh, lovely. Like, it's just, it eats up your life and there's no reason why. So it's kind of like playing EVE Online, but instead of leaving your guy, to leaving your crops to wither on the vine and die, in EVE, in EVE you leave your guy to mine an asteroid and someone blows up your ship and steals all your shit yeah. while you are away. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't even get the opportunity to maybe become the head of a big corporation. All you get is virtual crops that you can sell to people. One of the things that, that really blows me away with freemium games is that they're they're premised on the idea of your network and your friends and you send and receive things from your friends, but there isn't actually any interaction whatsoever other than begging your friends for stuff and sending them stuff as gifts. Yeah. Well, I mean, I played Adventureville for a little while, too, and it's supposed to be an Indiana Jones game. Right. But all you really do is you have, like, a certain number of energy points, and other if, once you use them up, you have to wait. Yeah. It's like the D&D freemium game they've got, too. Yeah. You use all those up, and then you have to wait. But if you spam all your friends, maybe some of them will start playing, and they can send you energy points. And you're just... All it does is make you that annoying asshole. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, the D&D one's a good example, because you can build a party, and you can invite your friends to the party, but it's not like they get to participate as human beings. It's just that you get to control their dude for a little while. Yeah, and he might die, and it doesn't matter. (laughs) I quoted this one, and I want to say right off the bat that I do not agree with the idea that games cause people to be whatever, to be killers or to be delinquents or whatever. But I did find this on Wikipedia, and it is worth noting that in August this year, a court heard Adam Hamnett, I'm taking this directly from Wikipedia, by the way, so take it with a grain of salt, maybe. Adam Hamnett of Greater Manchester was so desperate to buy virtual animals for his Farmville account that he first robbed from a blind man, Brian McKenzie, then murdered Pete Bosted when his friend threatened to report the matter to the police. Wow. Like, it, I think it. I think the thing is, is it's not the game. It's that it appeals to the same addictive nature in humans as smoking, as yeah. gambling, as all that sort as of stuff. As crack cocaine. Yeah. Digital crack, yeah. If, if he were not playing Farmville, he would have had another addiction. Yeah, he would have had something else. But the fact that this can be lumped into the category of addictions says something very bad about what it is. Says the guy I know who reactivates his World of Warcraft account every year just in case. <laughs> I enjoy playing it for about a month or two. Then I start to realize that there are other things I can do with my life. Like, sleep. <laughs> so that's Farmville. That's one of the F games I've been playing over the last little while. Anything else come up? Well, flipping through the book, I came across Fish, 
and I don't want to read anything about this fish superstition, although I think there's a lot of cool stuff in there. In doesn't, that, doesn't that start with a PH? Uh, only if you are in Seattle in the 90s. Oh, okay. Age jokes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, young people. <laughs> And people who are older than us as well, I guess. That's a we're in a weird demographic right now, aren't we? Yeah, well, that's probably true of anybody. These are the jokes that are funny only to us. So anyway, I made fish dish <laughs> recently. One of the easiest things to do, and it's pretty healthy and incredibly delicious. If if you're looking for something to eat and you don't want to spend a lot of money, but you want something that's good for you and yummy, buy a salmon steak or salmon fillet. Okay. And just like a can of pesto sauce, basil pesto, the green pesto, not the red pesto. What's wrong with the red pesto? Well, you could do it with the red as well, but I do it with the green. Oh, okay. You splatter that stuff on your fish, just cover it both sides, and bake it in the oven. And you can look up your favorite cooking time from the internet. I think I usually do like 25 minutes at 400 degrees Fahrenheit. And ta-da, you have an amazing salmon, and you can put that on rice, you can put it on a, on a salad. On top of a salad, it's amazing. You can put it on noodles. Just really yummy, very, very simple. You can probably do your own. I mean, pesto is pretty simple, but it's so easy just to buy the can. So F is for food in general. Mmm, that's very good, too. <laughs> like chocolate-covered pretzels. I think the last time we recorded this show, I had just been to some kind of food event. Or maybe we had had a potluck or something. Oh, we did have Lindsay's potluck when she got back. That yeah. was That would have been close enough, maybe. I'm not sure. Well, no, no, because I started playing Farmville when I first started school, which is when she got back. So it would have been the same area. Yeah, so... So we had some good dishes for that. We did, and I think you commented that you're really amazed every time we, as a group, get together and do a food thing. Arn, actually, that was oh, Arn okay. was mentioning it, but that, that it always works. Yeah. yeah, that you know, here we are on the cusp of our 30s, sort of as a as a group, and all of us have many of us are not yet domesticated or grown up. <laughs> we haven't been tamed, though we do have friends who live in the suburbs, and we do have friends with kids. But all of us have at least mastered cooking one thing mm-hmm. and sharing that with people. Yeah, so it always works out good. Actually, um, I was talking with Arn and with Lindsay in that, too, that we should do something for Christmas here, come around like the beginning of December, just because people start getting busy a little later on. So I've got something that's being called like a Thanksgiving mass because it's sort of like halfway between Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up. That's Canadian Thanksgiving for those of you at home. Because <laughs> American Thanksgiving right. hasn't quite happened yet. That's true. Yeah, we'll know about it because then Black Friday happens. Yeah, which is funny because I was actually reading some statistic recently about how Black Friday, F is for Friday, it's true, wasn't actually the biggest shopping day of the year until people started saying that it was. It sort of became a self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, I'd heard that it actually had been suffering too over the last little while. Like, I mean, with the recession and with other stuff that it hadn't been as big. Yeah, and that wouldn't surprise me. But apparently until... Until the big hype about Black Friday, the biggest shopping day of the year has almost always been, since they start cracking these things, the last Saturday before Christmas. Mm, that actually makes sense, too. Yeah. And I'm sure I've heard that before, too, because, I mean, it, I, I know for a fact, even if I'm not done shopping the weekend before Christmas, I am not going to that mall. Oh, like, yeah. It's crazy. It's Everybody's insane. doing their last-minute thing. And the stores, with all of their holiday overstock, are clearancing everything. Yeah. Yeah, there's murder in the aisles. It's bad, bad yeah. news. Now, I wonder what the big... Oh, you know what? I, I wonder if I talked about Furby last time. I don't know, but we could talk about Furbies, I suppose. Well, the only thing I have that's interesting to comment on on F is for Furby is there's a Radiolab podcast on Talking to Machines is the title. Oh, I haven't got there yet. And it's fairly recent. I think I listened to it shortly before the last uh, episode we recorded. Ah. And they're talking about different machine intelligences, and they do this one section on uh, machine emotions. 
and they talk about how they did an experiment with kids, seven and eight years old, and they made them hold a Barbie upside down and timed how long they could do that for. And then they made them hold a Furby upside down and timed how long they could do that for. And then they did the same thing. It was supposed to be a gerbil because it was supposed to be Barbie, Furby, and Gerby, but they got a hamster by mistake and <laughs> hold the hamster bastards. upside down and see how long they could do that for. And as predicted, the kids would hold Barbie up until their arms got tired. Mm-hmm. They could hold her Furby upside down for about a minute to two minutes, and then the actual uh, living creature took them about 15 seconds before they got freaked out and they had to put it down. So the Furby, is it just because it's talking to them and being like, hey! If you hold a Furby upside down, it starts to scream, tells you it's scared. And when the kids were asked, like, do you think that Furby is alive? They would say, well, no, not really. But I think he might have been a little scared, for real. Mm -hmm. And they talked to the creator of Furby, who is this really mental case awesome toy designer (laughs) he says well yeah because Furby does feel a kind of legitimate fear exactly the same kind of fear that you or I feel but not as complex and he's very much like a strong AI kind of guy the kind of person who, who says no no Machine intelligence is the same as human intelligence it's just not it's just not complicated enough yet ah and Crawlwitch, the one host of Radiolab, couldn't. He's like no. The way. religious host, the one who's very. He he, he is religious. Oh, if is you he? listen to them, yeah, he's he's always wanting to bring God into it. He's oh, very. Really? He is a religious kind of guy. Huh. Like not always. Like I've been listening to a lot of them trying to catch up. Yeah. He doesn't dispute like evolution or anything like that, but he does believe in God and like the whole kind of human spirit kind of deal. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, he he doesn't. In the episodes I've heard, listened to, he hasn't mentioned anything like that. But well, mine are probably five years old, so maybe he's lost his faith. Or maybe he doesn't hammer on it as hard because it was losing him popularity. F is for faith, too. Yeah, and for fanatics, but let's not go there. <laughs> Sometimes. So anyway, Crawlwitch is like, no, no, I don't I don't like it, I don't get it, I don't understand, and I, I don't want to talk about it. And But Abramrod is like, well, you know, maybe. I can kind of see where you're going with that. He was a little hesitant as well, but he, he was sort of more into it. So anyway. An entertaining p- fact about that is I listened to them on my iPod Nano. No. Shuffle, shuffle, the one without the screen. But it's got a playback thing. If I push the button, it'll tell me, it'll read out this robot woman voice, will read out the name of the song. If I hold it down, it'll tell me what the podcast is. And it pronounces, it, it'll it'll read it out, but it pronounces Jay Abumrad's name as Jay Abumrad. <laughs> it always makes me giggle uh, a little bit. What was I going to say here now? F is also, uh, F is also for fertility on the radio lab topics because the last one I listened to is on sperm. Uh, but before that, they were they were mentioning random facts that they find out, and apparently the testicles of a blue whale weigh one ton, or the testes. Not, they don't drop. Right. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Like so, half a ton each. Uh, th- they weren't specific, so I don't know if it's like each one is a ton or if it's like together they're a ton. But huh. even still, that's that's a hell of a lot of fertility going that's a, on. Yeah. And and on the topic of of testicles and their various uses, we come back to that a lot usually. <laughs> The, one of the, the craziest things, and if you read about a lot of evolutionary biology, you see this in different sources, but one of the craziest things about genitals of different species is that different species have developed different responses to the fertility problem and the, and the sort of mate controlling problem, because it's in every animal's best interest 
to mate with the best possible genetic partner to have the healthiest offspring. But it's also in every animal's best interest to prevent the opposite sex from mating with anything else. That's been a big thing in the the one the sperm one I just listened to. Okay. They talked about it. So like, cause it, is it chimpanzees that just like have like a ton of sperm? Uh, possibly. Now, an interesting thing about uh, apes in one of them that I listened to is the whole Darwinian thing, survival is strongest, falls on its face because what they've discovered is that there'll be older chimps that like they were the leaders of their pack. Yeah. Once they got old, they were driven away. So they went because they were jackasses to whoever was below them, and now they're they're above. So everyone beats on them till they leave. Okay. So they'll join another group, and they'll be the low man on the totem pole. And usually, what happens is is these older chimps will preen and be the basically be like almost a servant for the females, like right. the, the alpha or the head females. And they found that the fact is is when these the alpha male will mate with these women with these female chimpanzees. I don't know if it's chimps. It's orangutans maybe some ape will mate with them when they're in heat but they they tend to all go into heat at the same time so while he's off with one of the other ones they're off with this older male who's been with them all the time (laughs) and through genetic like mapping they've discovered that a lot of these younger orangutans or apes actually share the genetics with the older males see but Darwin never said anything about the survival of the strongest he said survival of the fittest true and if you reinterpret survival of the fittest within the context of especially Dawkins who says you have to remember you're not talking about a species or an individual survival of the fittest is referring to your genes so the genes that encourage that grooming behavior and then that infidelity as it were Mm. those genes are successful so therefore those are the fittest genes for that environment true they they actually they talk about promiscuity a lot too and that like up until the 70s they didn't think that they thought the birds mated for life they're like oh well the this bird and this bird they're together and that's that and some do some do but for a large portion a lot of them don't there was some research done i think it was with english house sparrows like three or four years ago and they had determined that something like 30% of all house sparrows are raised by a bonded pair, but the father that raised them is not their biological father. Mm-hmm. They went in, they, they go in and they test the eggs, and they discover that a lot of these eggs actually don't have the same father, even the same clutch. <laughs> Again, that's where you see that the sexual selection in, and I, I don't want to, I'm going to broadly generalize sexual selection, so those of you who have like biology backgrounds, shut up. Feel free to email us, mind you. (laughs) Sexual selection for the female of the species because her physical resources tend to be tied up longer with each individual offspring Mm -hmm. are more prone to selecting for better genetic fathers. Whereas because the father of the male of the species tends to have the opportunity, at least in theory, to impregnate multiple females, there are two successful strategies in humans anyway. There's the the man whore and the caregiver, and those strategies are both successful because you either find one female and dominate her reproduction forever, or you are a deadbeat. (laughs) Which unfortunately succeeds too. Yeah, so I'm going to stop armchair sciencing here for a minute, and I'm going to suggest some reading material on that topic if this interests you, because I'm honestly not an expert, and my opinions are just opinions and interpretations. Almost everything I've been giving off for the last little while, and probably will continue to give off, comes from Radiolab. So if you're (laughs) mad about this, talk with them. Uh, I'm going to recommend Matt Ridley's Red Queen, which is a really good sort of intro-level book on sexual selection. It's not written written for a science audience. It's written for a general audience. And pretty much anything by Richard Dawkins, but Blind Watchmaker is a good one on evolution. Back to the fertility thing quickly, you were talking about, um, one thing I just listened to on the sperm one, 
They talked about ducks, and I mentioned this yesterday. That I, I'd listened to it. They were saying ducks are one of the only birds that have an external penis. Right. Most of them are internal. It's interesting because male ducks do not exactly believe in uh, consensual Romance. consensual relations. <laughs> but the female male duck, ducks are rapists, yo. <laughs> Bottom line. That's actually what they say. Yeah. Uh, but the female duck has evolved all these. Wow, I'm. There's a reason why duck rhymes with the F word. Uh, they've evolved all of these uh, fail-safes in the way that du- uh, a female duck vagina, I'm just going to say it, we, we say cock enough here yeah, so I, I can get away with vagina. that. said sperm like a dozen times. True. We'll have false tracks, multiple false tracks, basically, <laughs> where <laughs> like she can... <laughs> kind of, yeah. Where she can um, like contract her muscles and send the sperm down a place where there's no egg there, it just dies. <laughs> In some species, um, the vagina at the end corkscrews, like it spirals, so that she can also contract that and basically creates like a seal, pretty much, that doesn't let anything in. And and a lot of species have something like that, where like the females females of the species have developed some way to stop unwanted male impregnation. Yeah. The human species, they'll tell you in biology class and like early sexuality that the sperm have a very low chance of survival once they get in. Right. Sperm can survive in the fallopian tubes for up to a week. Wow. Like when sperm is coming in, there are in the they talk about it, in the woman's cervix there are a whole bunch of fibers that are always kind of crisscrossed and would provide a barrier except that when the sperm is coming in, they all line up. Huh. And like provide like a highway, basically saying, "Come this way, guys." Then they get into the fallopian tubes, and they're basically wined and dined. Like the tubes actually change the enzymes they create in order to provide a better living environment for these sperm while they're there. Damn. Like human reproduction is not a battle; it's more of a uh, kind of a group effort. And that's probably because, as a species, we're not actually that good at reproducing. I mean, clearly, there's a lot of us. There's seven billion of us now, but Oh, yeah. so much of our yeah so much of our sexual selection takes place on a social level rather than a biological level just because our brains are so bloody big mm-hmm. anyway we're pretty much out of time well once we cut it down we can talk for a little bit longer because I'll cut it down we'll probably lose three or four minutes off okay it, so. well, fair enough but F is for fallopian tubes anyway F is for a lot of things yeah do you have anything else you want to talk about in uh, there uh, not really I think I might have done F is for 52 and talked about comics last time, but I talk about comics in every episode, so I don't know that I have necessarily anything to add. F is for Foo Fighters. I know I mentioned that last time because I went and saw the Foo Fighters concert uh, a few weeks ago. Right, and they had just done some kind of charity thing the last time we did the show. They were being protested by the West Baptist. I've got it written down. Oh, right, the Westboro Baptist. Westboro Baptist Church were protesting. F is for fuckheads. Yes, big fuckheads. So they put on like an impromptu outdoor concert, uh, and they performed one of their songs, Hot Cross Buns or Hot Buns. Keep It Clean, which is a very strongly homosexual overtoned song. Right. One of the lines is, going to get me some of those hot man muffins, I think, is <laughs> part of it. Like, it's very much, it's a, it's a trucker song, but it very much implies trucker homosexuality. And they just played it at the top of their lungs over all these protesters who are out there. And pretty soon, Foo Fighters fans are cheering along and just drowning them out. Then Dave Grohl, uh, singer, singer guitarist, of Foo Fighters, and yeah. Uh, drummer from Nirvana, lots of other stuff. Yeah. He basically did, had this big speech about how Amer- you shouldn't be racist, shouldn't be uh, sexist, shouldn't be anything like that. Go America, rah, rah, kind of thing. Right. But the concert was amazing. They rocked out for three hours. It was just fun. They knew how to play to a crowd. They knew how to talk to a crowd. Everything about it was amazing. So if you get a chance, if they show up in your town, go out and see the Foo Fighters. You will not regret it. 
Yeah, and I, of course, missed it because of the work thing that I mentioned earlier, which makes me very sad. It was it was pretty darn good. Cage the Elephant was on first, and they are a band that definitely has some potential, I think, but they are not... They have not figured out their live performance thing yet, kind of. Yeah, I think I might have trash-talked Cage the Elephant on an earlier episode. Uh, maybe. Where I had gone to a concert. Well, I know Arn said he'd seen them in a previous concert. Yeah, Black they, Keys. they opened for Black Keys. And yeah, I... I I didn't hate them, and they were definitely better this time because they had their audio right. Arn right. said their audio was pretty... It was smart. awful. Uh, but still, it was very much... They very much seemed like they were still performing in clubs, even though it's an auditorium of several right. thousands. Yeah, yeah. But they weren't awful. And the oh, uh, Heavy Metal Mariachi Band was the first opener, which was Is that fun. the name of the band? No, they were uh, Mariachi del Bronx, was their okay. name. Okay. But yeah, they basically, they're from the Bronx, they formed a mariachi... Or they formed a <clears throat> band... They do mariachi in a heavy metal style, or heavy metal in a mariachi style, kind of blending right. the two. Very cool. Yeah. All right, well, now maybe we should wrap it up. Yeah, we're probably getting close to the end here. So where can folks find you on the internet? Well, if folks want to find me, I'm on Twitter, at Captain Sask, and you are? My Twitter is Deadly Duke. Uh, if you want to get a hold of the show, it is woodpaneledspaceshuttle at gmail.com. The website, well, you obviously know the website, so... I, I hope so. Yeah. Well, I guess they, you might not. You may have been given this podcast by a very, very intelligent and good-looking friend. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it's also on SoundCloud, so if you happen to go there, just look up again, Wood Paneled Space Shuttle. But the two are interlinked, and yeah, I think that's basically our internet availabilities. Okay, so F is for furniture. F is for fertility. F is for fish recipes. And F is for Farmville. And F is for be. fuckheads. Natical fuckheads. <laughs> good night, everybody. You can't wave on the radio. (laughs) I just did. (laughs) Live with it.